Welcome to First Importance, the official podcast of the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged today by this message. Following uh, the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists were formed. Their goal uh, was uh, to help shape international policy and to help humanity understand uh, the full repercussions of the bombs that were dropped that day and of the weapons that had now been introduced to mankind. Since its beginning, uh, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists have been known for their doomsday clock. And on this past Tuesday, January the 24th of 2023, they announced that the hands of the doomsday clock have moved to 90 seconds to midnight. 90 seconds to midnight. That's the closest that it has ever been to what they say will be the extinction of mankind or the apocalypse in their over 75-year history. Citing wars and climate concerns and various other issues, they say that mankind is closer now to extinction than we have ever been. Now, I don't place a lot of stock and the scientist of the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. But I would say that had they opened their Bibles and they began to read and then they were to look upon the world and the culture and the climate that we now live in as a culture, perhaps they would have placed that time a little bit closer to midnight than what they had. My friends, we know as we study scripture, that we are living in the last days. We are now closer to the return of Jesus than we have ever been. And we as God's church must be busy about the work that he has given us. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me today to Romans chapter 10 and verses 14 through 15. Romans chapter 10, and verses 14 through 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Would you pray with me, please? Father, forgive your church where we have forgotten what time it is. Forgive your church where we have not redeemed the time as your word commands us to do. Father, forgive 
your church. Convict us today and put resolve within our heart to redeem what time remains and to be diligent about the work that you have called us to, the mission on which you have sent us. Father, speak to our hearts today and we'll be very careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus I pray these things. Amen. Over the past three weeks as a church, uh, we have been looking at what it means to be a church member. Uh, I begin every single service like this this month because I want you to know I'm anxious and excited about getting to the book of Philippians. I love to preach verse by verse, book by book. That's the way we ought to study the Bible. I try to preach that way so I can... I hope impart to you how you are to study your Bibles each and every day as you spend time alone with the Lord. But this first month of the year, we've been looking at what it means to be a church member. And so this is a a church member's course. Maybe a, a how to be a church member for dummies 101, okay? Written by yours truly, the chief of dummies. How it is that we can fulfill the obligation that God has given to us the privilege that God has given us to be members of a local church. And so for those of you who have been members here for many, many years, this just serves as a a, a reminder as to what the Bible says that we are to be. For those of you who have been visiting for some time and you have not yet joined this church, I would say, please Uh, please come and join this church and get plugged into a local Bible-believing church because there's there's not a lot of time left, and we want to redeem the time together. We want to be obedient. And so if you've just been visiting this uh, last few weeks has been a a course for you to understand what we expect here at First Baptist Church of West Memphis. We've looked at several topics together. We've looked at every member a believer. Okay, that was our first Uh, time together, the importance that every church member must be a believer. Now, I say that, but I know full well that just your attendance here today or your name on the roll of First Baptist Church of West Memphis does not necessarily make you a church member in the eyes of our Creator. There are perhaps some even here today who have fooled themselves, they've been fooled by the enemy, Are they fooling others? They're not truly believers. Their name, your name may be on the list here, but your name is not written down in the book that counts. So today I encourage you, before you can be a responsible church member, before you can faithfully execute those those, uh, responsibilities that God has given to us within his local church, you must first repent of your sins and call upon Jesus to be Savior and Lord. The first week, we saw that every church member must be a believer. In the second and third weeks, we looked that every church member must be a servant and what your roles and what my role is in serving the church. And this week, I want us to see every member a witness. Every member a witness. The time is short. Jesus is coming back soon. He has given us 
commands. He has given us direction. And today, I want to talk to you today throughout Scripture about every member being a witness. If you're taking notes, number one, you'll you'll need to have your Bibles, your fingers ready because we're going to be moving throughout Scripture, and I'll do my very best to to slow down and to to make sure that you you hear everything, but we've got a lot to cover, okay? So if you're taking notes, number one, we have a command. Everybody say, we have a command. God has given us a very simple and direct command to all followers of Jesus. We call it the Great Commission. But I fear that within God's church, that has become the great omission. It has become that great command that God gave his church that we have pushed off to the side or we have delegated to the pros. We're just going to let Josh, handle that. By the way, I don't think anyone who's known me for any amount of time considers me a pro at anything, okay? But it's not uncommon for church members to say that being a personal witness, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us, that job, that command is for the preachers or just the super spiritual, or just those people who have personally been set aside to do it. But I say to you today, friends, that God has commanded us through the gospel, God has commanded us through his word, that every single follower of Jesus is to be a witness and to be a testimony to the grace of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is recorded in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but you are most familiar with it in Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20. Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20. Jesus is about to ascend to the Father, and he says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A very clear command given to all believers. What is given to us here is a command to be intentional, not merely drive-by evangelism. I'm thankful that this church, especially in its long and beautiful history, has been a church committed to evangelism. But the command given here within Scripture is not merely in just getting people to say a prayer. The command is that as believers... As people who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, as people who are no longer dead in our trespasses and sins, as people who have been brought into the light and now have heaven awaiting them, it is our responsibility to go out and to make disciples of all nations. That's our driving command. It's what, it's what beats within our hearts. And that's the way God's church ought to respond. We have a command. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 20 through 21, Paul says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, is he speaking to just the apostles? He's speaking to the entire church. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. When others see us, when they see the way that we act, when we, when we relate to them, we ought to be 
considering ourselves 24-7 ambassadors for Christ. He continues, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's a clear command given by our God to us is that every church member, every born-again believer ought to be a witness. And I know that sometimes it can seem scary and sometimes it can, you can feel like you don't know what you're doing, but ignorance is never an excuse. We have a command. If you say that you follow Jesus and if your life if your eternal destiny is staked on the fact that you've been born again and you follow Jesus, then why are you not doing what he commanded? Well, Josh, I'm showing up to church. The Bible says that we ought to be faithful in attending our church. Well, Josh, I give. Good. I, I thank you. The God, God's word says that we ought to be faithful in giving. Josh, I serve in the church. Praise God for your service. God will bless it. God has designed you not to sit into a pew, but to serve his local church. But I want you to know a command still has been yet to be executed by you. Brothers and sisters, we are all called to be witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us. We have a command. Second of all, if you're taking notes, we have a book. We have a book. Everybody take your Bible, hold it up like this. Say, we have a book. We have a book. The last few weeks have reminded me of this wonderful truth. There are some who even from evangelical or so-called evangelical pulpits who would say that the Bible is not our starting point. In fact, they would say that the Bible or saying that the scripture says something to a lost person doesn't carry any weight with them because they don't believe that it's true. Rather, uh, there'd be preachers who would say we should appeal to more common ground. And I would say we've got enough common ground. We're all dead in our trespasses and sins. Our job is not to try to make the world happy. Our job is to proclaim lovingly, boldly, to proclaim uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ from his word. It doesn't matter. You and I can never convince someone to give their life to Jesus. Mankind has, we can no more be persuaded to turn to Jesus from our sins than a corpse in the ground can be persuaded to breathe. What the world needs is for God's church to stand upon the word and to boldly proclaim the gospel to the lost. There are some who would say, well, try other methods. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. So some preachers would say they think that it's stupid. So did we before we got saved. The gospel of Jesus Christ, before we came to know him, it seemed so foreign. Why would this be the pathway to heaven? But when the Holy Spirit convicted us of sin and caused us to gaze upon Jesus and all of his beauty, we saw that the word of the cross was not folly. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The beginning point for us when it comes to sharing the gospel is the scripture, the scripture. 
Paul reasoned from the scriptures when sharing the gospel uh, with Jewish men and women in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17, verse 10. Apollos shared the gospel from God's word in Acts chapter 18, verse 2. Jesus quoted the scripture throughout his entire ministry. It's incredibly important for us as believers to know God's word so we can share God's word. I've shared this story a few times over the last several weeks from this pulpit, and I don't believe in a worship service, so I'll I'll share it here today. There's the story uh, that I've heard of a young pastor who just became a preacher of a small town, and he lived right outside the town, and every morning on his way to work, he'd walk in through town. He'd, he'd walk in through the business district to go to the church and to sit into his office and to begin to prepare his message for each week. And as he'd go through the business district, there was a particular businessman who was an atheist who did not believe in God. And as the new pastor would walk by his store, he would open the door and he would call out, there is no such thing as God, there is no such thing as heaven. To which the pastor would reply those words from Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. It is given unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. And then the pastor would just keep on walking. In the evening times, as the pastor would head back home, the businessman would meet him at that same door, would say, there is no God, there is no heaven. To which the pastor would, would reply, it is given unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. Day in and day out, that same exchange occurred until the Holy Spirit had so convicted the man's life that as he opened the door and the pastor began to utter those same words, the businessman shocked the pastor when he said, would you please tell me how I can come to know Jesus? Why? Because the scripture carries the power. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth of God's word into the lives of people. You and I are not going to be able to persuade people to accept Jesus. But we have a book. We have a book. Don't appeal to logic. Fallen logic will never lead you to Jesus. Uh, Some Christians today, some of their ministries uh, whom I love and respect, they would say that we have a reasonable faith. And I would say, what is reason to fallen man? Reason is nothing to fallen man. What do we use when we share the gospel? We use God's word. If you open my Bible, you will, you will find that I have highlighted several passages in my Bible so that I can open it up at any time, Romans 3.10, And I can open it to that. And if I'm sharing the gospel with someone, I can show them this verse here. It's highlighted, Romans 3.10. For all have, excuse me, that's Romans 3.22. Romans 3.10, none is righteous, no, not one. Or if you go over to Romans 3.23, you'll find highlighted there, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you move over to Romans 6.23 in my Bible, You would have highlighted for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And if you move over to Romans chapter 10 and verses 9, 10, and 13, you will see those famous verses highlighted so as to show people when I'm proclaiming the gospel, when I'm sharing the gospel, so they can read it themselves. So it stands out on the, uh, even more than just the black ink on the white page, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There are friends and family and neighbors and co-workers around us who are dying and going to spend a Christless eternity in hell. And God's people can't memorize a few verses to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus with those people. Highlight it in your Bibles so that when you go to share the gospel, you can pull out God's word Meditate upon it, memorize it so that you can proclaim God's word. Your word will not convict the life of an unbeliever. God's word will. If anything will, God's word will. We have a command, we have a book. Number three, we have a helper. Let me ask you a question. What evangelistic tools did the New Testament church have at their disposal? Did they have EE? I love EE. Great program, great way to train a church in sharing the gospel. Did they have EE or the faith model in sharing the gospel or three circles? The newest one, Dare to Share, a great way to share the gospel. Did they have any of these things? No. Hey, get this. You're going to find this funny. All they had was the Holy Spirit. They had God's word, and they had the Holy Spirit. And that was more than enough. So why do you and I feel as if we have to go out of the way and do different things or try to make God's word look more attractive or try to let the gospel look more attractive than it actually is? The helper that we have been given is what caused 3,000 souls to repent and believe on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is what caused 5,000 souls to repent and believe as Peter and John preached in the temple in Acts chapter 4. What gave boldness to the timid? What gave strength to the weak? The power of the Holy Spirit. You say, Josh, I'm shy. I'm timid. I can't share the gospel. And I would say those are just the qualities that make you the excellent candidate to share the gospel. We are to be a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to do this, God has given us his helper. Acts chapter one and verses six through eight. As Jesus is ascending to the Father, the disciples ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And in Acts chapter one and verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have been given a helper. Now, I was at the evangelism conference this past week. Had a great time. You always feel insufficient really, as a pastor, when you go to these things, because these men share the gospel, and they are just pros at it. I mean, they share the gospel. They teach you how to share the gospel. And of course, they've gone through that presentation a thousand times, right? 
So they, they, they share that. And I heard over and over again, uh, and by the way, I was so blessed at this conference. It's the best conference that Arkansas Baptists have. I was so blessed at this conference, but I heard over and over again, your people don't share the gospel because they don't know how to share the gospel. So I listened to that, and I thought about it. And the more that I thought about it, the more I didn't like it. You know why? If you are born again, you know something. If Jesus has changed your life, you know something. If I asked you how you got to church today, are you going to say, uh? <laughs> no. Tell me how you got to church today. Well, I got out of bed. There you go. Give me number two. Well, then I went and I got dressed. All right, here we go. We're moving. And I got some breakfast. Preach, preacher, preach. You know, you know how you got to church today. And if you say that the Holy Spirit has revived you and that you are born again, you know something. Now, I have nothing, I mean, you know that I love, my favorite way to share the gospel is using the three circles method. It's wonderful. I love it. EE uh, -E is wonderful. Faith, all of these other things are wonderful. But you know something. You're not ignorant. If you are born again, you know enough to share the gospel. And by the way, it's not about your uh, abilities when it comes to sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel with those people who are around you is about you being faithful to what God has commanded you to do and then allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he does best, which is perfecting his power in your weakness. We've been given a command. We have a word. We have a book, rather. We have a, we have a helper, the Holy Spirit. By the way, sharing the gospel for us is a win-win situation. You realize that, right? You go and you share the gospel with a friend this week, and you come to me later and say, Josh, I failed. They didn't repent and believe. You didn't fail. You shared Jesus. Uh, several years ago, after our kids were first born, the first thing that I did when I met anybody was I'd pull up my phone and I'd show them a picture of my child, okay? Now, I did this because my children are beautiful, okay? And I know all of your children are beautiful as well. I felt, and I feel as if mine are more beautiful, but that's not the point. That's not what I'm coming to say today, okay? Y'all have beautiful, wonderful children. I love all of them. Yeah, I love all of them. It's... Yes, every single one of them, they're beautiful, okay? But I showed those pictures, why? Because I love my children. I wanted people to see my children. And if they didn't care anything about it, it didn't bother me. Uh, now, there are times I want to say, Look, they're beautiful, come on now, they're, they're beautiful. Did I fail? No. It was a success to me because I got to show off what was important to me. This week, Believers, it's not just for your pastor to share the gospel, but for every member to share the gospel. I'm looking out here today. I wouldn't dare try to put a number on the crowd here today. But can you imagine if 15% of the people who are here today went out and faithfully shared the gospel this week, what would happen? What if one person got saved? You and I are commanded 
to share the gospel. And it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not the power. You're not the power. The gospel carries the power. We have a command. We have a book. We have a helper. Finally, I want you to see with me that we have a community The Mid-South has been hurting for several months now, haven't we? You turn on the news, you can see the pain in the faces of everyone in our area. We live in Crittenden County. The last population that I read from the U.S. Census said that in Crittenden County, there are 47,525 residents from West Memphis to Jeanette, from Gilmer to Horseshoe Lake, this county is our county. It's where we live. It's where we go out for our walks. It's where we go to the grocery store. It's where we wave hello to our neighbors. In the latest data that I could find, over 51% in the last census of our county identified as non-religious. 51% non-religious. Now, if we were to assume that the people who identified as religious, that 49%, if we were to assume that all of them were believers, which that would be a bad assumption, you and I know, but if we were to assume that just 51% of our community was lost, that would mean over 24,237 souls are on their way to a Christless eternity in hell. 20. 4,237 mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, neighbors, co-workers. Over 24,000. Now, to put that in perspective, on September the 11th, when those planes crashed into those towers, on that terrible day, there were over 2,977 casualties. Almost 3,000. When the Titanic sank, were 1,500 casualties. And if I were to go back further in time, back to 79 AD, when Mount Vesuvius erupted and 16,000 people died in Pompeii and around that area. And if I were to add all of the names of those people who you've never known and we've never met, that number would still be underneath the amount that today don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I'm not talking about Arkansas. I'm not talking about just the Delta. I'm talking about Crittenden County, where we live, where we are, we have a crime rate that is above the national average. In every category, we are above the national average in murder, in robbery, in assault, in rape, in burglary, all above the national average. We lead the U.S. in poverty. We lead the U.S. in single mother homes. We are the, above the national average in high school dropouts. We lead in teenage pregnancies and in unwanted pregnancies. And we're content to just gather here on Sundays and make nothing else of it. 
Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying because when an individual dies and goes to hell because they have not called upon Jesus as Savior and Lord, they are condemned because of their own sin. That's not anyone else's fault. But when they die and they go to hell and you and I have never even tried to share the gospel with them, what was the point of us even being here? What was the point in us even gathering together to worship the name that is above every other name, but only in this rectangle, right? Only as long as the pastor is wearing the things that I like him to wear, or he's saying the things that I like him to say, or we're eating the food that, that, that we like to eat. What's the point if we as believers don't truly believe the gospel, why, we're, why are we not out there proclaiming the gospel to our neighbors, to our friends? 24,000, our county. And yet we say that we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. He is, amen. He's the only hope for our community. He's the only hope for our nation. He's the only hope for our world. He's the only light in the midst of darkness. And yet we're content to just talk about him in here. My friends, we have a command. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and your eternity is staked on it, then you ought to be following that command that he's given. Go, make disciples of all nations. Brothers and sisters, we've been given a book. God's word, holy, inerrant, infallible. A book for us to go to and gaze upon Jesus in. We should not try to convince mankind by our own words, but we should make sure that we memorize and meditate upon scripture so that we could faithfully proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a book, we have a helper. When you feel like you're not able to, when you feel like you're too timid, when you feel like they'll hate you, you have a helper. Why don't you call on that helper? Why don't you say, Lord, I'm nervous right now. Lord, I'm so nervous right now. Help me to share the gospel with my brother. Help me to share the gospel with my cousin, my neighbor. I speak to you today as not a professional, as someone who fails as much as anyone in this room. But I'm here to tell you today we have a community that God has placed us in. And you can go back home today, you can sit in your chair, and you can complain about it. Or you can go out and you can tell about Jesus and see what happens. See what happens. You're never a failure when you share the gospel of Jesus. Romans 10, 14 and 15, where we began. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they were sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You know, I began 
today with a clock hitting close to midnight. And I wonder if you and I knew that tragedy was to befall our friends at midnight, what we would do in order to save them. If I knew that my house was going to burn down at midnight, I wouldn't be there. And if my family didn't believe that it was going to burn down at midnight, I would drag them out kicking and screaming. And it wouldn't matter if they hated me. I would do everything I could to get them out of that house because I love them and I care for them. And if they hated me, it wouldn't matter because my love for them is not contingent upon how they feel about me. You and I have been given a great commission. We've been saved by the blood of Jesus. And my desire for you, church, is not that just some of you would be witnesses, but that every one of us would be a witness because that's what God has called us to be. The time is short. What will you make of the time that you've been given? Thank you for listening to First Importance. It is our prayer that you have been blessed by this podcast. We welcome you to join us in person for worship at First Baptist West Memphis on Sundays at 1045 a.m., where our desire is to love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.